Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, write a job advertisement, part two. Here we go. So now let's get to the actual writing. We have the picture in mind of who we want to write this advertisement for to attract, right? So yeah. now walk me through the actual writing of it. Yeah. Your your process here seems somewhat formulaic, but I kind of like it. Yeah, it is formulaic. I mean, it is. Yeah, people kind of. ask me all the time about how to write show notes. I says, dudes, it's a formula, right? You write a first paragraph that describes why we're writing the paragraph, and then you just tell people what to do. And you do it in order, because that's the way people want to learn things. Tell me what to do. Or at least that's the way we see people thinking about, I want to get better as a manager or as a professional. Okay. Look, we want people to read more than the first sentence. Studies show over and over again that the first sentence is make or break, right? So it's absolutely formulaic and it's a formula. It's kind of funny. I think this will be pleasing to almost anybody in the disc profiles just because it's an enticement. We're trying to market. We're trying to persuade. And if you don't, if you haven't learned it yet, folks, at some point in your life, you will learn it. All communication is by definition persuasion. Okay. We're trying to persuade people. And this formula that we're sharing that, that Wendy has developed is essentially a way to allow anyone to be persuasive. Okay. Even if you don't find persuasion terribly good, folks, if you're writing an advertisement and you don't think that you want to be persuasive or you don't think you are persuasive or you're not sure there's any value in being persuasive, you need to get out of whatever job you're doing because that's what communicate. I mean, that's what advertisements are. They are professional, commercial, persuasive instruments. Okay. The idea here is you, you've got to make sure the first thing they see attracts the people that are of interest to you. It has to be compelling enough to make the reader go past to read on past that first sentence. Okay. Now, what we've learned is questions tend to draw people in. Questions cause people to answer them. And if the question is something they're not, if, if the question or the answer is not of interest to people, it also rules people out, which is kind of good. Questions tend to cause readers to almost always answer in a positive way and then continue reading. Now, there are some things that are just dumb questions that are too generic. You know, the, the, the phrase, want to see the world, the question, want to see the world, probably not great for our junior software engineer job. On the other hand, want to be on the fast track to software management? Mm, could be good. Want to feel like you're giving back? Mm, probably not for a software man, software engineer, but it could be. Depends on the kind of company you're right. you're. Uh, if you're a nonprofit, for. it might be a good question. Exactly. You want to change the scenery, right? Maybe you're advertising in London. In fact, this this position's in Barcelona. And why would you be advertising in London? Because you discovered a lot of people who have the skills you want are in London. And maybe because a lot of telecoms and in, in, in software, the software areas and telecoms have laid off a lot of people. If you're in Barcelona and you have lots of needs, London would be the place to, to, to advertise. Want to take our company to the 22nd century? That would apply to somebody who wants to have a long career and wants to do new and cutting edge things, one assumes. Want to be part of a global delivery system? You know, frankly, that would appeal to me because I think logistics are fascinating. The details and the amount of, I guess, what Tom Peters would call loose tight application in, in logistics that you know where everything is down to the second practically. And yet at the same time, there's a human piece on top of all that science that makes it really, really work well. But here's the key. The question needs to be related to one of the things you've identified as being important to your ideal candidate. 
since in this case, we've identified that our candidates are ambitious, right? We've decided that, okay? And, and by the way, we could be wrong. Remember, we're going on our gut feel. Asking if they want to be on the fast track to software management is likely to get them reading on. If we ask them, do you want to see the world? They'll probably be more half-hearted, right? Yeah, work for the Navy for that, though. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've seen this new Navy campaign about we're a global force or whatever. I don't particularly care for that in the U.S. simply because I think they'd want to appeal to to patriots, right? And And they would think about being a force for the U.S. And yet, apparently, somebody who's a lot smarter than me has figured out that there are a lot of young people out there that want to be a force for global good. And it occurs to me with manager tools and career tools, that's true of us as well. But clearly, I don't. I shouldn't be hired by the Navy to market for them about people who might want to go to work for the Navy. The whole thing about their their old one about wanting to see the world, I, I love that because, look, if you're in the Navy and you're on a ship, you're gone for months, a year at a time. And unless you have a strong attraction to seeing the world and therefore the willingness to, to get away from home right? Yeah. You're not a good candidate for the You're Navy. probably not a good candidate. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. It's a great question yeah. to ask. Yeah. So look, this sentence, the first sentence, and by the way, the, the, the fourth sentence, which is you'll have, need to be the strongest. Whatever your question is, it needs to be something which really appeals to your target audience. So your first sentence, which is an enticement, we recommend you ask a question. And it's up to you to figure out what that question will be based on your analysis of the preparatory six questions you asked yourself. Good. Now, the second sentence starts off with, you'll be. So I assume that's something like, you'll be rich or you'll be famous or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. You'll be, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, basically all it is, is this is where you describe the role. But beginning with you'll be is important. Don't try to start it some other way, Okay. Again, Mike, going back to your point, Mike, it might, it seems terribly formulaic, but remember the candidate is unlikely to see all of your advertisements all in one go on a single page. So they won't notice. And you've got to have a way to get started about writing this thing rather than saying, well, I just don't know. There's so many different factors to be considered, right? Okay. I understand the, the first century, right? That makes sense. The enticement, that makes absolute sense. They're looking through a lot of advertisements and you want them to read yours, continue reading yours. In the second sentence, why start off with you'll be? Why do you start there? It's easy because the reader puts themselves in your position mentally, okay? You'll be, we're actually, you're actually saying you'll be doing X, you'll be doing Y, you'll be doing Z. And they think about doing that very thing. This goes back a little bit for those people who have the interview series. We talk about part of a recruiter. Now that's of course, much further along in the process. All we're doing is advertising here, or as Wendy would say, advertisement or advert. Recruiters or interviewers are often thinking as they're asking the questions, can they close their eyes and see you doing the job that they have open. And what they're doing, of course, if they're using behavioral interviews, is they're asking you questions to see whether or not you have proven in the past that you have used the skills that they're looking for. The idea being, if you've used the skills and they think you're a cultural fit and interpersonal fit, yes, they can predict you doing the job. And so getting you thinking about what it, what the job is will also be a further enticement if, in fact, you're right for it, if, in fact, you think you can be doing it, particularly if it's aspirational. So we want them to think of themselves in the job. Realtors, uh, real estate agents, um, estate agents know that they're close to selling a house when the buyers start imagining 
their furniture in the house and what their life would be like in terms of commutes and so on, working from that house. Same thing applies here. If you can get the candidate to imagine him or herself in the role, you've made a big step toward having him or her as an employee. Now, look, we don't want to go overboard. Don't list every single activity this person is going to be doing. And by the way, don't include meetings. (laughs) Even if a big part of this person is going to meetings, that doesn't appeal to anybody. Yeah, this is still sales, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Think of those activities which will be most attractive to her and list those. Now, look, this is where a job description differs from a job advertisement. An advertisement, like an advertisement for, for a job, like any advertisement, right, emphasizes the good parts, right? Nobody ever told you your iPad would take six hours to charge. They just showed you the shiny parts, right? In fact, I have a good friend, Jerry Conti, when you say, hey, by the way, I got a new X, he goes, ooh, shiny, right? Because there's this appeal of new things to people. In the same way, you don't want to tell the candidates about things like meetings and, uh, you know, so you, you want to be talking about the more exciting things. And, and hopefully you're thinking about it uh, in advance with the questions we recommended you ask, help you understand, okay, yeah, I can see what would be appealing about this job. So you might write, you'll be responsible for the programming behind our breakthrough product, working with architects to understand the overall plan, and then programming discrete sections and modules before working with our quality staff to ensure the code quality standards are met, okay? This is science, folks, not art. The writing of it is a science, okay? It's formulaic. The art is in you picturing what it is they'll be doing and understanding what it is they'll be doing. Start your sentence with you'll be, and then describe the responsibilities somewhat broadly. Make it sound appealing as best you can to the type of person you're looking for. In this particular case, we know that our ambitious junior person wants to feel like they're part of the whole project. Even though they're going to be programming the smallest blocks and they're going to hand them over to somebody else who's going to make sure it all coheres well. By describing the whole life cycle and how they fit in, we believe we're appealing to what they're looking for. Right. Now, the third sentence, you'll have an opportunity to, that seems a little bit more futuristic. It sounds more like, here's what you're going to be able to do in the future, more aspirational. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're, You're talking about the future. Exactly. Think about what they would hope to be doing in six months or nine months, or what benefits or training you think they'd like. Now, look, don't make it up. If it doesn't exist or they're never going to get to do it, then don't put it in there. We're not going to promise something that won't happen. But we do want to make it clear that the thing they want, if in fact it's it's going to happen, that it is going to happen some point in the future, okay? Look, in our case, our ambitious junior software engineer wants the opportunity to get lots of training and work on exciting projects. On the other hand, a senior manager wants the influence, may wants that opportunity to maybe influence the strategic direction of the company or of a particular division. A teacher wants the opportunity to work with motivated students and parents on advanced learning as opposed to basic stuff, maybe. Secretary wants the opportunity to keep his IT skills updated and to make a difference to the company through supporting others. A project manager, maybe, wants the opportunity to work on more exciting or bigger projects. A safety manager wants the opportunity to have more influence and take more responsibility for more of the staff's safety over time. And look, scientists all want to work on breakthrough science stuff. Yeah, stuff being, by the way, a very technical term I just made up. It seems to me that the commonality amongst all those is that you're thinking to yourself, what do you have to offer that your ideal candidate would want, right? Yes, 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 exactly. Basically, what you're doing is you're helping your candidates self-select in and out both. 
Wendy once recruited for relatively difficult to fill roles in a very challenging location. Most of the ideal candidates were relatively junior and town-based, and this particular role that she was recruiting for was in the middle of the countryside in England. You'll have the opportunity to work in a peaceful country setting, attracted those candidates who liked to be outdoors, and stopped those who wanted to live in Mayfair in a bedsit, right, or down in Covent Garden or something like that. And the beauty of that is there were less offers that were refused later on because the location wasn't right. Now, you might say to yourself, but wait, what if there's a great guy who really would love to live in Mayfair, but even though he can't really afford it because he likes being in the nightlife, but maybe we could, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. And if you want, write the biggest, most generic job description you can have to get everybody who might be interested, interested. The problem is the moment you water down your wording to increase the size of your funnel, the less persuasive it is to the very heart of the people, that, the, the very core of the people that you want to reach. You cannot speak to millions. And by thinking about speaking to millions, increase the chances that you will hit the nail on the head for one. And you can't hire millions. You can only hire one. So widening the funnel only to discover there are a lot of people you're going to have to take the process and then tell they're going to have to tell you no or you're going to have to tell them no. That's a lot of wasted effort. The fact is, particularly in down economies, you'll have plenty of people applying for the job. So you might as well make it as precise as you can. Makes sense. Now, the fourth sentence about you. I assume that this is the point where you tell the candidate what they need to have in order to be successful in your the company's yeah. recruitment process, right? Yeah, sure. Now you're saying, okay, we've told you about what we got. Now we want to tell you what you need to have in order to be right for it. Now, look, you don't have to go overboard. Don't make a long list of absolutely everything you want to see in the ideal candidate. And, you know, the biggest mistake is asking for 10 years of experience when, in fact, you know, maybe the technology hasn't only existed for five or, you know, really applications in this particular area have only been applied to, let's say, telecom coding for two or three or four years. And folks, believe me, that actually happens. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. So, look, it's easy. Choose your top four or five attributes and list those. Now, again, this is not the job description. The candidate will need to see the full job description before they apply, but not right now. Recruitment, I've already alluded to this before, is basically part of a standard sales funnel. At this point, you need as many people to rule themselves in as possible, so you have a maximum choice at the end of the process, but you don't want to go beyond what is required. Or or let me put it differently. You, You don't want to be so broad that you'll have twice as many people apply as actually could do the job. So it might sound like, in this particular example we've been following along, you'll have a degree in an IT-related subject with some courses in programming, some work experience in a programming or a related role, and preferably some experience of a large corporate organization, preferably in telecom. So you'll have, that sentence you'll have is kind of just a list, right? The intent is the reader is excited by the first part of the advertisement, They say, yeah, that sounds good. And they read this sentence and say to themselves, yep, 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 I got all that stuff. I can do that, right? On the other hand, it also means when somebody somebody gets excited because you've written a good job description and then they read it and go, oh, I don't have any of that stuff. They go, nope, not right. And they choose not to apply. So it's both. Our next point, fifth sentence, call to action. I got really excited when I read this because a lot of, particularly in this example, we were in a technology organization, technical folks aren't typically great salespeople. 
And no, really? This, and this. <laughs> wait, wait, go back, go really? back, go back, go back. I, I go I'm too sorry. fast for you. What, what, what was that? I, I, I think you must have stuttered. I think what you said was technical people aren't really good at doing this. Is that? Yeah, I said oh. that. And since I okay. put myself I got, in I, that I, category, need a, I need a break. I need a break here. Like if you if you want to record this, so you can play it back to me. Oh, wait, <laughs> we are recording this. So you have something on me. Yeah, this whole call to action is. is Incredibly powerful, right? Yeah, you can't you can't lay all this out and then not ask people to do something with it. Yeah, well, but 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 I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of us, when we think of having to write an advertisement, this is and by the way, maybe this is not true of marketing people, but I, but I suspect it's true of some of them as well. Is we're deluged in the modern commercial digital video world of advertisements. In fact, look, think about it for a second. I mean, YouTube, which has given people billions of hours of enjoyment, you know, in the beginning when Google bought it, they were saying, okay, how do we make money out of this? And where do we put ads and so on? Same thing with podcasting. Mike, you and I have talked for years about how people assume that the only way to make money in podcasting is through advertisements. And yet here we are doing quite well and growing our reach um, week by week by week, slowly but surely, which is the way all great companies are, are grown. And we don't have any advertising. We're surrounded by it all the time. And it is so sophisticated. Most people don't even realize it because it's so everywhere, right? It, it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive to say it's sophisticated and it's everywhere. I'm blanking on the the, the word for everywhere all the time. It, um, Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, exactly. It's sophisticated ubiquitous, which which don't really go together. But in fact, really, really good advertising is everywhere and it's quite targeted. It's quite specific. Yeah, but there's a lot of advertising out there that there's no call to action. So it's it's not even yeah. effective. Well, yeah, but but here's the thing. People don't here's the thing, the point I'm making, and this is from my marketing background, there is a call to action. It's just so sophisticated, many people who are not called to action can't even see it. Mm. Okay? Then that's how good they've gotten. And look, these are people who've done nothing but that and they have huge budgets to do it. And consequently, many of us don't hear or feel the call to action when in fact it's there for the right people. And nowadays, sometimes the call to action is, wow, that was funny. Okay? Now, now there are all, there are all kinds of arguments about this in marketing, but here's the thing. If all of us had a chance to go back and get a degree in marketing, what they you would have a whole class on calls to action. It is a core part of the process. If you're listening now and you were in a marketing class, I promise you the first projects you were involved in where they ask you to analyze and then design some sort of marketing. If you didn't have a call to action in it, or when you were asked, what is your call to action? You'd have a good answer. You'd fail. It is so central and yet oftentimes so invisible in the world around us, we miss it. So look, folks, if you want to be good at something, the first time you do it, you're going to stink unless you have a template, an understanding of the what's and the why's. This cast is about the what's and the why's of advertising. You've got to have a call to action. Now, after you've done it a hundred times, feel free to hide the call to action in some clever way. Great. No problem. As long as you know what your call to action is. But in the beginning, know what it is. Make it explicit so you can get people to do what you want. Heaven forbid, you don't know you need a call to action. You don't put one in. And all kinds of people who are very excited about your product don't know what to do or how to do it or why they would want to do it because you left out a call to action. Yeah. Well, that most would professionals be a shame. listening to this are not 
professional sales and marketing folks. Yeah, exactly. And and they're not going to write enough of these. I mean, we started off this cast with assumption that this was delegated to you. You're not going to write enough of these that you're going to get that good that you can be right. that subtle. So right. don't worry about it. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to aspire to the uh, the, the levels of subtleness that- uh, You have David Ogilvy or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king or queen. This will give you one eye. This is all you need when it comes to writing a job advert. Okay. So call to action, right? What do you want your candidate to do now? Should they go to your website is to read the full job description? Should they apply? And, and how would they apply? How would they go through the application process? Should they call to discuss the role? Should they send their resume? Whatever it is, make sure the action they're going to take is clear to them. Now, look, obviously, in a lot of cases, this is going to be dictated by your company's recruitment process. Great. Good. Just make sure it's clear what step you want them to take. If you do have the chance to decide for yourself, think again about your ideal candidates. Senior managers are much more likely to want an informal chat before applying, particularly before formally applying, than somebody who's junior. If you think the advertisement is going to get a lot of responses, ask for resumes and a cover letter detailing why they think they're an appropriate candidate. If you don't think you're going to get as many, then just resumes would probably be enough. Why would you want cover letters in the event you're going to get more rather than less? Because you want another factor by which you can exclude people. The key is make the con- method of contact work equally well for you and for the candidate. Now, look, if you ask them to email responses, please, 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 please set up a new email address, which you can put an autoresponder on. Candidates hate sending emails to black holes and getting no response. That'll cause a lot of annoying phone calls to people who are around you or to HR if that's the only number they can get for your firm or your division. On the other hand, as a candidate calling to, quote, make sure you receive my application, is a great way of being able to talk to somebody at the company and get more information. So if you're listening from that side of the equation, by all means do so. So make sure that you come up with something to get something for them to do that you can handle and that it's tailored to what you believe would be easy for them. Look, if it's a technical role, you know, the idea of them writing a letter and posting a letter, I, I wouldn't recommend that. You might think that's really, really a good idea. I, I wouldn't agree. Now, after all that, which is all pretty exciting, if you, if you look at this in the the way we described it here, I can see myself getting excited about writing something like this. And by the way, if you haven't gone through these steps, at least to some degree, you're probably not going to be terribly effective at selling this once people come into the to the interview. Yeah, at some exactly. point, you yeah. have to sell the sell the job, sell the opportunity, and and thinking through it in this manner is going to help you do that. But after all that, the exciting part, like don't forget to put the admin details at the bottom, right? Contact details, for example. Right. Um, I've seen advertisements before where the contact number at the bottom is the wrong phone number. Amazing. Well, I'll tell you something. We, we, here at Manager Tools, every once in a while, we, you know, at a conference, we tell everybody, hey, look, when we're rolling out the Trinity, um, make sure you click on this link, which takes you to the website page, which has the text of the email we recommend you send. And for some reason, we got it wrong, and they click yeah. on the text, and it took them to a page that didn't exist. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Somebody good. who's doing the call to action and doesn't get any joy? Mm, not good. Not, not good. Yep. It was my fault, too, by the way. Yeah. And, and look, Wendy will tell you, she learned this lesson the hard way in terms of having contact information that's not accurate, right? Um, and again, look, this is probably going to be dictated by your recruitment process, but if, it's a, if you're a small firm, if you do have leeway, think about what works for you and for the candidates. Good. And that's it, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Seven. Look, so spend some time. Six questions up front to identify your target audience. Get inside your head and your gut what you're looking for, who you're looking for. And then you've got five sentences that, that you want to write in your job advert. What's the, the first sentence is actually a question. It's an enticement. And then you're going to start with you'll be, and then you'll have an opportunity to, and then you'll have. And last uh, sentence is a call to action. And then make sure you've got your admin details right. You follow the formula and our advertisement for this junior software engineer sounds like this. Want to be on the fast track to software management? In this role, you'll be responsible for the programming behind our breakthrough product, working with our architects to understand the overall plan and then programming discrete sections before working with our quality staff to ensure the code quality standards are met. You'll have the opportunity to move to our leading ed projects as they roll out and to attend three training courses per year. You'll have a a degree in an IT-related subject with some courses in programming, some work experience in a programming or related role, and preferably some experience of a large corporate, uh, ideally in telecom. Send your resume to resumes at ourcompany.com with the reference 3942. I'm and there. you know, when you say that, it sounds really great. You think, wow, somebody really knows what they're doing right, right, wrote that. Nope, that's just a formula. Writing job advertisements may look like an art, but it's really a science. You follow the formula, you can get one out in 15 minutes. You're going to be a hero to your boss if, in fact, it was delegated to you, or you'll get better candidates into your funnel because of how well you did it for your job. And if your boss thinks it's a difficult job and really, really creative, you just got credit for doing something hard and being creative as well. Well, nothing wrong with that. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you again next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.